Underground. You know what I was thinking about? What were you thinking about? This Batman casting, he may be the luckiest Batman to ever... Okay, we're, we're actually recording, so let's get this going. Let's okay. get episode 140. Wait, 140. Of Movie Schmovie. I'm John. Right. I'm Ron. I'm Steve. Tonight we're going to be talking about directors acting in their own films or actors directing themselves, however you uh, want to look at it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure everybody's got a really great top and bottom three <laughs> selected for this topic right now. But what you wanted to say about Ronald, about Batman, about the upcoming, not just who's, you know, not just the upcoming Batman versus yeah. Superman film, but the movie they've announced semi-recently, which is the standalone Batman film for 2018. Yeah. And then Justice League. It's going to be a, well, but we're talking specifically Specific. about, the, about the quadfecta okay. of Ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah. He's acting in it. Ben Affleck. He's he's co-writing it. He's directing it. And I actually think the fact that he's playing an iconic character like Batman makes it its own category. Because there's a lot of times an actor has written and directed a movie that he's starring in, mm-hmm. but I, not playing James Bond or Batman or a character of that kind of stature. Has this ever happened before? That that kind of like franchise, big mass entertainment has had someone in it who's also so. almost 100% making it. Wow. I can't think of anybody. I don't think no, so. I don't think And it You know what I mean? Like yeah. usually these big franchise yeah. films have more of a committee behind them, you know? A director it's and an actor together or a screenwriter no, working with somebody. You know? No. I think it's super interesting, especially this version of Batman that he's gonna be is a Batman that we've never seen on film ever. The Batman who's you know, by all accounts, the Batman who's been yeah. around for a while. Yeah, he's a little he's a little more weathered and, and that doesn't mean like bad it just means like uh, you know not super youthful not like i'd say he's youthful but not he's not old but not young well i think what we're what you know you even less so than i should should have a hard time admitting this but like when i when i look at that i'm like he's not old he's just not young he's my age <laughs> right, right but i mean right. you know it's like he's 40 ish and he's showing that he's like he's got a gray around the right. temples and stuff i do think that we usually see someone who's pictured i mean outside of say robert downey jr as iron man i think we do typically picture someone closer to 30 ish yeah. is is your hero right. age and 40 ish is a little old for that but more so than just someone being that age but the idea of a batman whose origin story is a long time ago yeah. i don't think we're getting the origin i mean i mean it looks like there might be a flashback or something yeah. but i don't think the movie is spending a lot of time dwelling on that aspect of the character that we know so well yeah. so in a way it's like a new take i'm so excited on batman i mean it's like i'm i'm still up in the air about some of this stuff but i have to say that some of the some of the shots from that trailer that came out at comic con uh, mm-hmm. you know just the shots of like bruce wayne it looks like he's in the streets like reacting to what was happening at the end of the last superman film yeah that that appeals to me just because that to me feels like a real motivated reason for why it might be batman versus superman i hope the movie does an interesting job of that story we know is going to happen which is heroes fight and then they realize that they should be on the same side that seems inevitable but i hope they find a a fresh way of doing it i think so too well zach did you watch the comic-con panel i didn't see the panel okay so zach snyder basically said that the suit that he has on director zach snyder for those who don't know (laughs) so the suit is basically not to fight superman it's basically just to stay alive, yeah, right? Yeah, so that, yeah. I think that's so cool. I like that response a lot. Yeah, and yeah. then and the fact that he has like 
so it's a bunch of things that are kind of really cool. And that suit really looks like a panel from The Dark Knight Returns, the mm. comic the series that right. in the 80s kind of got this whole gritty Batman thing started, yeah. the version that, that people know now, you know. And then the reveal that when he's at the top of the the um, the building, that that wasn't an antenna, it's actually a sniper rifle. This idea that, like, Batman's kind of resorting to anything at this mm-hmm. point to get, get to a point where he's not getting killed by Superman is so cool to me, man. I just hope, because I do, I'm, I'm like one of those weirdos that likes Superman mm-hmm. um, and likes that he's kind of a boy scout i feel like this movie has reversed like this series has reversed a few things that were important to the character like in the in the comics it was always sort of important that he was raised by the kents Mm -hmm. because they were this you know this heartland these kind of perfect people that were like yes do the right thing well in this version it's more like they're the ones saying you don't owe this world anything it's like it's a little bit more cynical you know Mm -hmm. but so i just hope that at the end of this batman versus superman brouhaha i just hope that they haven't made Superman, like, uh, I don't know. I just hope that they don't tear him down to make Batman cool, which yeah. seems like the obvious, easy thing to do because yeah. everybody thinks Batman is cooler than Superman. And I just want Superman to still be Superman at the end of this. Yeah. I, I'm hopeful. We're starting to see, you know, the, what DC has planned and what they've got coming. I just, I think there's a chance that there might be some some good movies coming here. Yeah. So I'm just sort of like, I'm sort of guardedly optimistic about all these big plans for all the comic yeah. book franchises because it's like, technically we don't need more of these movies to rehash the same story, but if they've actually got a plan and they're going to move something forward, I think, forward, they do, man. I, think uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm open to all of it. Two movies with Batman in it next year? Excited. That's, that's true. Suicide, Suicide Squad, Squad is going to be next year as well. Means Batman's supposed to be like a evil, scary presence in mm-hmm. the in Suicide Squad, which is exciting. I think it, I think this whole Ben Affleck being uh, Batman thing is exciting. I, it, it wasn't at first. For, I mean, it was. I think it's. It I think it's really interesting. Seeing it happen is is. I think that's what it is. I'm did, still, he, did he seem like super disconnected for, to, in that panel? I have a real problem with him being disconnected in general when I see him at, at things. I wanted to ask you about that because I love he him seems and very, worship him in a lot of ways, but. Well, after was, Gone Girl, I, I think he's afraid of cracking a smile at the wrong moment in a press yeah. conference, especially or coming in light of of, of of his separation from Jennifer yeah. Garner. But like yeah. on the panel, everyone was all smiles, and like he I feel like he so cracked distant. like three smiles. Yeah, he was so distant. The yeah. jokes were funny. Yeah, he was he was very charismatic, but yeah. like the camera's on him the whole time. So even yeah. when he's not talking, and he's just like you know, yeah. <laughs> Very you know. distant. It's really weird. Right? Yeah, I don't know. I just, not the dis- I didn't mean to distract from what you were saying. No, no actually, no, though, no. Steve, we should, we should throw this that. to you because we've been sitting here talking about your boy like you're not in the room. What's what's How up you with feeling, you? Man. How do you feel about? I'm excited, man. Uh, yeah, right? ascendancy. I, I'm super excited. Like, I I got a lot more excited for the first trailer that came out than most people did. Right. Um, and especially because I saw it in IMAX when they did that special screening and saw like the extra clip at the end, mm-hmm. which I don't know. I can't find this online, and it wasn't in the trailer they released at Comic Con. Because in the IMAX thing, it said this will only ever be shown at this one showing. And oh, wow. it's the scene of them, like, charging one another yeah. and, like, jumping and about to, like, collide. I saw that once. See, I, I saw it in the theater. I saw that once. And I, where'd you see it? I, it was, like, a blurry... Like a bootleg? Bootleg. Oh, probably that. That's okay. it. That's the only time I've but, ever I mean, seen it. But, I mean, I just... That sold me. Like, I was going to say, that one thing sold me. And, I mean, I was all into the Ben Affleck stuff to begin with, but... I, don't, I, I just I agree with everything you just said. I, I'm not the guy, as I've always said on this podcast, that comes from the comic book background. Right. I mean, I know enough about Batman in the comics, and I understand where this story comes from, especially the more I read about it and the more yeah. I understand. Like, these interviews, these panels they did at Comic-Con yeah. were pretty insightful, I thought, and especially when Zack Snyder was talking. Yeah, yeah. Because definitely. I feel like he truly does 
want to make this good. Like oh, sure. I feel like he I is completely. So. I feel like I don't know. I feel like Man of Steel. Like for for the you know I I enjoyed that for the most part. I think I we had, all I, in this room enjoyed it, but with with reservations. Right. But I think that we were all willing to embrace. It's a new take on the character, and just see what they have in store. Exactly. Rather than saying again, rather than like having this list of requirements that it's supposed to meet, you know, yeah. that obviously you have less, maybe even than I do. But yeah, even no, I, absolutely. even with the comic book fandom that I have, when I sit down to watch a movie, I'm not, I'm not judging it against anything right. except for its yeah. own self, you know. So I just, I don't know. I just think that like you can really sense from him that he's really in and all about and ready to to bridge what they did in that film, and. You know, with some of the source elements that Ronald just yeah. talked about from the comics or the graphic novels and things that they've added. I mean, they, they've like I, I like that they're not like truly hiding the fact that they just add shit. Yeah, and they yeah. make shit up. Like when he was talking about like how they seated like Metropolis and Gotham like next really to each other, to each other like yeah. across a, a body of water. Mm-hmm. You know, the, to kind of create like a social structure, a class yeah. structure. You know, and. Some of the imagery, even just them talking about it, I feel like could be amazing. Like they're yeah. talking about a fairy that well, remember how follows cool, people back and forth. Yeah. That just sounds amazing to sounds see. Cool, man. Remember how cool Krypton looked in Man of Steel, yeah, which yeah. was like you didn't expect. Yeah. Like with that movie, you didn't expect to get like this That's crazy cool. like retro sci-fi fantasy explosion. You know, so I do think that like I don't think Zack Snyder is a visual stylist. I think he's he's got a really good handle on visuals. And well, that's always our like our when you were phrase. describing the the shot of them running at yeah. each other. It's like you know. That's going to be badass. Yeah. Like yeah. no matter what the movie around it is like, seeing those two characters fight, and I do think it's interesting that in March we've got Batman versus Superman, and then it's is it May that we've got Iron Man versus Captain America? Oh yeah. yeah. So it's like both. I think that's really cool that that they both are at that point where they can hopefully do something in these movies that kind of leaves a mark. Like at the end of of Captain America: Civil War, I don't want everybody to be shaking hands again. You no, know what I, mean? I want there to be some bonds broken. Uh, and I think that, like, with Batman and Superman, it's maybe going to be more the opposite. At the end yeah. of the movie, they'll be more likely to kind of find each other. But, uh, no, I, cool. I don't know. I'm, I think it's I think it's, it's, it's just, op- it's like there's reason to be optimistic that, yeah. that both of these studios, like, you know, like, I think people want to pit everything against everything. Right. People want to be like, they can uh, exist. Well, yeah, fuck Marvel, exist. DC's the yeah. best. Ah, I, DC sucks. It's like, no, right now, we know for years, DC has had a much better foothold in television and cartoons and that stuff. Yeah. And Marvel hasn't had the success with that. And Marvel's had the success with the films. And now DC's kind of creeping up. I mean, obviously, DC's kind of playing catch up with the sort of franchise planning that Marvel yeah. has put into it. Yeah. But the characters have been around for so long, you can't, you know what I mean? That rivalry is, is so, it goes so way back. Yeah. There's no. There's no reason to feel like it's going to be solved by one movie or another. Yeah. But I'm, you know, as long as the movies are good, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't. I mean, I've always been a Marvel guy in terms of most of the comics I've read. But the thing that breaks that rule is Batman and often Superman. Like those yeah. are characters that are interesting to read about because what they do on both those characters, and you may know Ronald, they get like creators who have a take, and there'll be a run or a series. It might run a year, might be a limited series, but it'll be like a great story. Yeah, yeah. It's Batman and Superman. It's like when someone gets a job to write a story for those characters, they they go to the they go to the lab and go, "What kind of story hasn't been done with this character? Yeah, what can yeah. I do that will reveal something new?" And I don't doubt that Zack Snyder might have something in mind that is something new with these characters. Yeah. So, well, I've cool. been I've been listening to this podcast called The History of the Batman, um, which kind of analyzes from a historical standpoint how the the franchises changed and a lot and uh, and how. Uh, the characters kind of evolved over time. And one of the things that they emphasize 
is how the movies have influenced the comic book just as much as the comic book has inspired the movie. So literally, something cool could happen in a movie which could inspire a comic book. So like yeah. the idea that... Yeah, right it's now Marvel's whole lineup yeah, is, yeah. in a lot of ways is reacting right, to, right. to the way the characters are depicted which wasn't, in the Which wasn't something that was done quite as no, much before. So the idea that like a movie can be a standalone idea is a lot more feasible because it could inspire... Something really cool in a comic book is down the line. Literally, some of the things that Batman did didn't exist before the movies. Mm -hmm. Some of the some of the way that the Batarang worked, and sometimes like some of his his gadgets, it's were only in the movies, and then it kind of spread to the comic books. I think that stuff's really cool. So I'm I'm very curious to see. I'll say one more really nerdy thing about it is that I just hope that in this this version of Batman, we get to see him do more uh, detective work. Because and hand the character's hand supposed combat. to be like a, the, the smartest guy in the room. Well, that too. What but the fuck? Like, like, the whole premise none. of Batman. There's a couple things about Batman that are true in the comics that you don't even think about in the right, movies. Right. One is he doesn't he doesn't kill. In right. the movies, we kind of think of him as like an angel of death. Right, right. And he's supposed to be one of those guys that won't that won't kill and doesn't use guns. You know what I mean? Right, like he's right. like definitely hand to hand. Definitely like you know uh, that kind of combat. But the other thing is he's he's a guy who snoops around yeah, and yeah. digs up facts and goes and gets questions answered and uses his imposing visage and his costume to make people fear him and to make him give him information yeah. but you know he's he's the world's greatest detective uh, uh, and the comic book he started in was Detective Comics and I feel like in the movies they don't usually depict that side of him so I, yeah, I hope right. we get a little bit of him snooping around and like you know with, with this whole issue of he's trying to figure out what to do about Superman that might be a storyline where we will get to see yeah. you know Batman you know skulking in the shadows trying to figure out what's going on but, and some hand to hand fucking yeah. combat Batman the first Batman was the only Batman that I've seen mm-hmm. where he was actually like fighting people like they show like a, a a medium shot of him punching someone in the face mm-hmm. that doesn't really happen in any of the the Christopher Nolan movies that were like this I feel like and when it did in in in, in with Bane like people were really criticizing that hand-to-hand fight yeah in, in the last Batman yeah film. it was like it was really sloppy. It was super. Yeah. It was super sloppy. So, Steve, by talking about uh, Ben Affleck, have we have we done anything to spoil your list of actors directing? Yeah, themselves? I mean, I'll just tell you, he's on my list. Okay, I well, mean, do you want to start it off? Yeah, yeah since I'll we're just, talking I mean, about I'm him. I'm not going to throw too much more in, only because we talked enough about the ben. former Mr. Jennifer Garner. Yes. Um. So, just to backtrack one moment, we the way we're doing our lists, or we have a top three and a bottom three. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go through our top three first. Or I think we're we'll do the seesaw. top. Back and forth. Oh, that's a good question. It? That's a good question. How do you seesaw. want to do it, Ronald? You want to seesaw it? Seesaw doesn't sound bad. Okay, and I'll I'll try to move through them quick too, since we have so in no many. particular order, right? Or is there an order? I don't have an order. Personally. Okay, gotcha. Uh, yeah, I don't have an order. Um, but yeah, I was gonna select Ben. Um, <laughs> I feel like he could just make most of my lists. Mm-hmm. I, I, I sadly is this top or bottom? He's on my top, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, um, I would say that as much as I like Argo. As a film, I don't know that I love his direction of himself in the film mm-hmm. as much as I do uh, like him in The Town. Um, I, I, I actually love the movie The Town, and I know people that are you know like it or are mixed on it, but I think that uh, that adaptation of Prince of Thieves, which is one of few books that I, I've read, I'm not much of a reader, but um, uh, I think that movie's great, and I think, I don't know, like I feel like he's an actor who... He's also in a lot of good movies with other good directors, so I feel like he is like a sponge. I don't know. Like I, I'd love to sit down and talk to him and ask him things about some of the directors that he's worked with through his career. You know, even if the movies weren't that great, he's been exposed to some great, great filmmakers, and he seems to be somebody who acknowledges it and even 
um, appreciates it. You know, even like back back to that panel at Comic Con, he was talking about like a scene they shot in Batman mm-hmm. versus Superman that you know he kind of went through. It was like this is how I would direct myself in the scene. Like this is what I'm doing. And then Zack Snyder did it like the complete opposite. And he was like, fuck, that's why I'm not making this movie. <laughs> right. Like, he's the right guy. You know what I mean? So it's acknowledging yeah. like skills and he's picking up traits. And uh, I don't know. I just, he was an obvious choice for me. I, I'm a fan of really most of the films that he's directed. Uh, I really like Gone Baby Gone as well. I mean, he wasn't in that movie, but his brother was. So there's definitely some DNA in there. So I'm going to just love it in there. Um, and like you guys said, he's in, he's involved with a number of films coming up now that he's also going to be in. So. He's somebody that I'm excited to watch. I feel like he's got a vision, and selfishly, sometimes maybe he sees himself fulfilling that vision in an acting role. But I'd say, for the most part, everything he's done thus far, I wouldn't, I wouldn't balk at it. I wouldn't have an issue with it. So, uh, my my first pick of my tops is Benny Affleck. Benny Affleck. Benny. Benny. No big surprise there. Yeah, but I mean, I actually I thought of you. It felt very timely. With uh, we were talking about doing this, and then like. There was all this news coming from Comic-Con about, yeah. you know, just quotes about that. And I was thinking, you know, like, I know, I mean, I like Ben Affleck, and I don't have quite the same uh, relationship with him you do, but I know when one of my guys gets, like, I remember when Bob Odenkirk, when they were going to do the spinoff of Breaking Bad yeah. with Bob Odenkirk, there was a part of me that was, like, hoping it was good, and then seeing it and seeing how good it was, uh, 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 Better Call Saul, just that it was a valid show in its own right. It was like, oh, like, I love it when one of my guys does something right and you know like you know what? gets a good showcase or gets a gets noticed or gets appreciation so and not to mention i love rooting for him yeah because people just shit on him all the time well yeah. you know and I now he's it. got now that we've got another we've got team team jen and team ben with this whole this yeah whole breakup but you know thing. let's just you know we'll assume positive intent and just move on from that we'll just talk about his movies <laughs> yeah. um i assume that he was trying to do something very fun with all those other ladies <laughs> steve i really do that, that's the most positive yeah. intent of yeah. all as, yeah. as far as yeah. i'm concerned um, yeah, I just love rooting for him. I mean, did you hear what David it, Fincher said? He said it on yeah. the commentary. Yeah. Did you hear about this? He said no. it on the on the Gone Girl commentary, and it, he was obviously just making a joke and being light. Yeah. But I think what he's saying is true of some people. Oh, what totally. he was what he was saying was whenever that whenever Ben Affleck on the set has to do like actors are sometimes expected just to kind of fake like the, the phone call, mm-hmm. you know, and you're there's no one there, but you have to, uh huh, yeah, okay, well I'll see you later. All right, whatever. And he was saying that Ben Affleck was really good at doing that. And he made the joke that he, he, if he was his significant other, he'd be very suspicious of him because he's almost too good at like being really believable in the moment. That like, yeah, you know, yeah. he, we know, you, like knowing he's talking to no one, David Fincher was, say, was saying he would believe that he was talking to a real person just because of the rhythm and the whatever of it. And I was like, yeah, that is kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, obviously that's somebody digging for something. Yeah. But I do think... I mean, I don't know if, if you've ever had that thought of, like, when someone trusts you, how easy it would be to fool them. I know that's a yeah, horrible yeah. thought, but oh, it's like, exactly it's like that's, why, that's what trust is, right? Is that you're not going to take advantage of that. But, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, who knows, Ben? I mean, he's a good actor, right? Yeah, he's a good actor. <laughs> okay. I, just, I just love, uh, you know. I mean, I'm just, kidding. Just, you know. just to shine on him again, I love how he was, like, he came in at the top. Yeah. Fucking won an Oscar for Goodwill Hunting. Right. All right, so where do you go? He went down. Like really fucking deep down, mm-hmm. yeah. and you know he's the he's one of the top guys out there right now, and he's and like you guys said, like he's not just acting, you know. I I really appreciate the fact that he's also involved in writing stuff. I I love that he still does writing and he's going to be involved in stuff like that, like because that's kind of how people got to know him to begin with. 
Well, I mean, the criticism you might have of a Ben Affleck or a Matt Damon when they won that Oscar yeah. for screenwriting was, are these guys really screenwriters? Right. Was this a vanity project? Are they ever going to write another screenplay? Right. You know, uh, which to me, I'm not to say that that's a requirement, but I do sort of think like, is this your one-time project where you're going to get your name on that side of the, the, sure. the line, and sure. the rest of the time you're just going to be an actor? Um, I think it's interesting to see how their their careers have developed since mm-hmm. then. Definitely, Matt Damon has you know is on a lot of people's list of some of the finest actors. Yeah. That, but he's had such a like he hasn't gone on on to do that directing. Maybe he would like maybe his cr- success as an actor has kept him from you know go- going into that. What's my next phase of my career? Which I do think Ben Affleck. I feel like there was a period there where he was not like nervous because I don't know the guy, but he w- had become sort of a joke. Oh yeah. And then here he is directing movies and next you know then it, then directing Oscar nominated films and then Oscar like, winning films. Well, and now in this tier, this like honestly, I mean, not to make a you know not to talk about something kind of silly like it's a big deal, but I don't think anyone has ever done like no one has done that yet. Yeah. You know the money that they're going to be pumping into that Batman film. No one has had the vanity project. I'm writing, directing, and starring. Yeah. And also, it's going to be a big movie no matter what. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. That movie's gonna open iconic, big no matter yeah, what happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, unless something really strange happens to Batman between now and then. But yeah, no, it's 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 kind of it's just kind of interesting. He is one of those people that we've seen sort of develop over the last couple of decades, and he's definitely reached a a, yeah. a, a, a you know a plateau at this point. So. For sure. Well, I will throw another bin onto the list. Uh, I'm going to <laughs> mention. Well, maybe not. Maybe uh, who knows what you've got there? But I was thinking about now. This is I. This is my movie where the director, like, Ben Stiller has directed himself in many films, mm-hmm. in prominent roles. But the role that I particularly wanted to single out was the dual role of Sam and Stan Sweet from uh, Cable Guy, which is a very small role, and it's it was one of the funniest parts of that film. It's Ben Stiller doing a riff on the Menendez brothers, and it's a kind of a court case that's on television in the background throughout the film, and it's got some really funny, memorable lines coming from it. Um where he's clearly lying about, you know, the story. It's Sam Sweet who murdered his brother Stan Sweet, yeah. I believe, and he's lying about, you know, the people that he saw, the that he witnessed, and you know, he's talking about them being Asian. And what does he say? Like, what language were they speaking? Yeah. And he says, I, I think it was Asian. But it's just like that Ben Stiller, that perfect delivery. At this point, he was a guy who I knew from the Ben Stiller show, and I had seen in lots of things, and I was so glad that he was kind of reaching this level. And I looked on uh, IMDb, and apparently he was going to play the cable guy role before he they got into shooting and he just realized that he didn't want he couldn't he couldn't direct mm-hmm. and be in it you know um and so then they got jim carrey so so obviously that's the role that most most people think of when they think of that film but i think i think it's kind of cool i i think cable guy maybe it's not really underrated because everybody seems to kind of agree that it's kind of underrated yeah when that happens aren't we all just agreeing it's it's sort of secretly well rated but we all like to say it's underrated um, I, I don't know. I still think something about the way that movie approaches that idea of this crazy force of nature that just comes in and wrecks your life and the way the movie really doesn't sugarcoat that idea. Like Jim Carrey's character, you, you do sort of... You don't want to see him come to harm necessarily at the end, but it, it they don't make it easy for you to feel anything but just annoyance at that character. Yeah. And I think back to what we were saying last time about Trainwreck and about the Apatow problem maybe of having a little too much softness in your film. I think that the way this movie handles the the end, it's like there is a little bit of a well, he's Matthew Broderick's got to patch it up with his with his girlfriend, but it's a, I feel like it's a comedy that stays a comedy throughout. Like mm. like, you know, Ben Stiller's comedies tend to do, like Zoolander and and um and Tropic Thunder both do that. There's a sensibility to them that isn't trying to give in to anything too sincere. So 
So I think I also had that on my list. So you just I'll just go. Oh, I took Cable Guy from you. Well, <laughs> I had Ben Stiller. Stiller. I was I was going more towards Tropic Thunder and Reality Bites actually. Okay. Um. So yeah, what he said. But no. you know, an interesting guy. Like, and it's like when you look at the films he's made, they're not obvious for him necessarily. You know, I mean, maybe Reality Bites is the one that's the least obvious. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I I I'm I. He's making Zoolander two right now. Is that yes. what's happening? Yep. So I mean, I think we can hold out hope that that might have some funny stuff in it. But I think there's something about Cable Guy that there's just a nastiness that uh, I just don't think I've seen in that many other comedies of its type. So yeah. Ben Stiller in the Cable Guy. Okay, I chose uh, Clint Eastwood Jr. Uh, particularly for Gran Torino. I don't know how you feel about Gran oh Torino. Oh, my God, I hate that movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we talked about this before, He I think. did. I think we did. Is that one of your bottom threes, directing himself? Yes. What about yeah. Million Dollar Baby? What about Million Dollar Baby? <laughs> if I would give him any credit for directing himself, I'd say Unforgiven. Uh, that one, too. That one, probably above all else. Okay. Oh, that's, that's not my pick, though. This is yours. So let's talk about yeah. Gran Torino. I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was... Uh... <laughs> no, you know what? I, I saw it. Uh, it was, it was, it was one Christmas. I think it came out around Christmas. And it was another time when we were visiting family. And so we had a night. Nikki and I popped out to see it. And I enjoyed it in that context. Yeah. I haven't seen it since then. But, uh, I've seen it a couple you know, times. I don't really remember... Like I don't, so I don't really know what I think. I do remember thinking that the 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 kids in that the young the Asian kids. I felt like I think they spoke Asian. No, I felt like they weren't very good actors. <laughs> they were horrible. And I think that 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 hurt the film a bit. You know, even though I do love the idea of the grumpy old asshole sitting on his porch, being super just racist, being terrible to everybody. Yeah, something I about prefer that. that movie. It's caught up. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, Steve! I would love to see the. I would love to see if Gran Torino was just him tying a bunch of balloons to his house until it floated away. Oh man! Yeah. I would love the idea of like you mentioning to a little kid that you liked up, and the little kid going up, Gran Torino in the sky. Yeah, a little kid saying that would be hilarious. God damn, that would be hilarious. Uh, but yeah, um, I like Clint Eastwood movies. <laughs> a little kid said that would be so funny. Oh, that'd be great. Well, I'm I'm gonna skip it because I I Ben Stiller was one of mine. So what do you what else well, do you we're, have? John? We're we gonna seesaw. We're gonna do the oh okay. Negatory? Oh sure sure. You got it. <laughs> um, you you actually mentioned one of mine last time as a joke, but one of my bottom three was actually M Night Shyamalan. Oh. Um, I would just say in any of his movies, I, I think that all of his little. <laughs> small cameos that he's had <laughs> so and, and they've like kind of grown in, in in importance of their like in terms of narrative they've grown in importance yeah. like what his character has to do with anything in the movie right um like pretty much from like signs on they definitely like signs lady in the water like i he, he's like a fucking horrible actor like i yeah that's it he's a horrible actor and i'm really excited that he's kind of getting his shit together that he's got Wayward Pines on TV right now, and he's got the visit, the visit coming out this summer, okay. which I think looks great. Trailer is amazing, um, and the word of mouth on it is really good from people who have seen it. But man, I hope he's not in that movie because I just can't stand seeing him on the screen when he is making a film. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He almost acts like Michael Jackson in an interview, like all of Michael Jackson's interviews. He's like. Yeah, could I do it? Yeah. Every time I see M. Night Shyamalan, it's very weird like that. His, it's almost in like his interviews or in the movies. In the movies, oh, okay. it's like a Michael Jackson interview. Yeah. It's like very, his. So if you listen to everybody's voice, it's very like you know on the same level. And when he talks, it's always like very like. Eh, yeah, yeah, very, yeah, well, you know, you know, yeah. 
and all of his appearances. It makes me kind of feel weird. Yeah, um, I don't know. I just I don't understand why. Like I don't. That's like that's like pure ego to me. Mm-hmm. Like pure vanity. Like there's no reason that you should be that little role. Like. Yeah, you're the guy that made the sixth sense. I understand that. Well, but, but also like, like, why place yourself in a role, even in a non-pivotal role? Well, I mean, I even think like the the Hitchcock method of like walking by on the street or whatever. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, plant yeah. yourself in your That's films. That's fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But but right. Give yourself. Well, I mean, it's also like he's given himself. I, I haven't seen the Lady in the Water. But that's the one where he played like a, a primary, not a primary, but he was a, a, a one of the main character, one of the main characters. Absolutely, that's and it was like I mean. a sort of self-aggrandizing part, you know. And that movie was all about how critics are jerks and yeah. storytellers are brilliant or whatever. So yeah, that 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 starts to feel kind of transparent and and kind of embarrassing. Well, I guess I'll just jump right in and and join the directors who shouldn't be in their movies category yeah. and say that specifically in the role of Jimmy Dimmick from Pulp Fiction, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino should God have been kept it. as far away from from, from a this, camera. This is going to be a problem. Uh, yeah. You know, some, <laughs> someone needs to slap the N-word out of his mouth. Yeah. I, I, I've never been more uncomfortable than, than his... His little monologue in that film. He loves it. He loves it. He loves it. Did you hear about um, I, when he was? I think he was on the set when he was doing a, a polish on uh, Crimson Tide, mm-hmm. and uh, supposedly Denzel Washington had a word with him about the you know yeah like thinking he could get away with that or whatever. And I don't remember really what the exchange was about, but it, it just makes me realize that you know the Spike Lees, the Denzel Washingtons of the world, they were watching that and going yeah. like, okay, what, what you know, like for? who the fuck do you think you are? That you, yeah. yeah, what makes you think you can get away with it? You know, I think it's just Samuel L. Jackson with a gun, you know, being around him that makes you think. Well, yeah. who knows? Maybe, maybe you know. I have a feeling that the hateful eight will have it too. I mean. You know, it's set in like the, uh, the right era, at <laughs> yeah. least. But I mean, or like you can look at uh, uh, Django Unchained and say, like, you know, that that the the use of that that language and that was again, it was it, it was, was of its time. It yeah, was, yeah. But still, I just think that um, what is it? Uh, Vince Vaughn says uh, when you know with the earmuffs and uh, oh, don't celebrate. I kind of feel like that's what it, you know. I kind of feel like that's what uh, Quentin Tarantino does with that. Is he, he just does. he he kind of shows off. He kind of it's like it feels like a kid who's realized he can cuss. For yeah, the first time, and everybody's watching him or whatever. But he's just a bad actor, and I guess there's something kind of wink, wink about him popping up and things. But I don't need that in my films. Like if it's a good movie and it's well made, I don't need something in the middle that's just gonna stink it up just because it's kind of a meta joke that the director is in it. But uh, yeah, that movie just comes to a screeching halt when when he pops up on screen. I, I kind of liked him in From Dusk Till Dawn. He was all right in that, but he did a lot of yelling, and I well, kind of like that movie them. was kind of schlocky and kind of needed a weird like a director playing a. But it wasn't him directing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like yeah. there's something to be said for he, just being in the movie versus it being your movie and you're sticking yourself into right. a role. He supposedly did a little bit of it. Like he didn't like. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. He, he did like a good bit of the beginning apparently, and then he and Rodriguez have some kind of hive mind thing going on. Yeah. Somehow. But it couldn't, yeah. couldn't be more different as directors, really. But Right, sure. Yeah, old Quentin. Stay away from that side of the camera, my friend. Um, Everything else, though, I hear about Hateful Eight sounds awesome. I'm actually looking vastly forward to that. I think, too. I think it seems kind of neat. Good cast. Cool story. A lot of racial slurs going to be in that. You just know it. There's one Mexican man. That's in what I go to the movie. They're going to shit on him. They're going to say all <laughs> sorts of things about him being Mexican. And mm-hmm. I, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I, I mean, his dialogue's well, so hello, good. Hello, Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Man, how about that? How about that? What, has he ever directed himself in a film? 
that would make the list. <laughs> so, Ronald, what's uh, what's uh, somebody you wanna you wanna um, poop on for bottom. you to poop on? Bottom. Yeah. I'll have to say Woody Allen, man. Woody Allen because his movies are great. He's a creep. Yeah, his, his <laughs> movies are great, but his appearances in them, especially like the last couple that I've seen, almost seem like caricatures of other like beginning of like his the beginning of his career. Those characters, kind of caricatures of those. I, I don't I don't know what. It, what was the one you've seen recently that 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 cemented uh, that for you? What did I What did I see? Was it the one with the prostitute? Um, God, I cannot remember the name of it, man. Um, I should have had a movie. Give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. Just look at his IMDb and pick anything from the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, I think it was To Roam With Love. Was he in that? I feel like he was in that. Well, the last thing I saw, man, it's been a while. Um, for some reason, I can't think of the particular movie, but in general, him just... Being in movies at this point. Say, like, Curse of the Jade Scorpion, or... Uh, oh, uh, man. I'm trying to think of what's another one. Um, Hollywood Ending. That wasn't very good. Okay. Well, let's say The Curse... The Curse of the Jade Scorpion. All right. Um, that movie <laughs> just in particular... say that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just like... So, I feel like his, his panic-ridden sort of rants were um, kind of spread out a little bit in his older movies. And then when I saw that, in particular, that's like Hugh... Uh, Jackman, right? Mm-hmm. Him kind of talking to Hugh Jackman, he was just very like I don't know, like a caricature almost of who he 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 portrayed himself as in some of the early movies, and it kind of got a little old at the t- after a while. So, Woody Allen, yeah, you're bottom bottom three. You're you're a bottom. You're <laughs> you're a bottom. Maybe that's his dark secret. <laughs> yeah, yeah, daughter Mary and bottom. All right, which which narcissist who can't stay? Uh, away from his own camera, do you love, Steve? You know, I'm going to probably get shit for this, but I love Garden State. Yeah. Is that one? Can we do one movie? I mean, okay. Well, no, no. My my, my choice is oh. Zach Braff directing himself in Garden State. So we're doing one. So they they count as a. Well, well I mean, he's he's done. We're two, kind of picking so I'm just, one. I'm just I'm highlighting one yeah. of the ones that, that I'm ca- talking about. So I, I was trying to figure out what constitutes. Okay, so I have a I have one. I think in every in example, it's good to have a specific example. But okay. It, but like with Woody that Allen, puts it on your list. I think you are okay. talking about. Yes, like you, you would say that your entry in the list would be Woody Allen in Curse of the Jade Scorpion. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Okay, all right, now but, I get it. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure if one movie constituted because I, I had a person that was in one movie mm-hmm. that, that he directed. Or she they directed. directed. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's a good one. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't really love Wish I Was Here, which he just released last year, which is the one I backed on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. There were definitely some moments in that movie that I thought were quite amazing, but that film was not about his character to me as much as, as some of the characters around him. But specifically Garden State, I, I just, I don't know. It was a time in my life where I just felt like I related to the character in some ways. And I think he, I don't know. I felt like he surprised a lot of people with that film coming yeah. off of Scrubs and really kind of having an endearing effort you know to be a star of and and to i think he had a hand in writing that as well but um i just thought it was a very well done movie that also gave enough camera time to the people around him yeah you know the movie's about his character and coming home and at the you know to take care of stuff but i think you know the time with with uh natalie portman and and um and uh what peter skarsgård i think just balances the movie enough where you're not overwhelmed by 
Zach Braff being like emo, which yeah. is what a lot of people give him shit about, you know, in that movie. But to me, it didn't. It I wasn't overwhelmed by it. I was I was pretty impressed by it, and I love the film, and and I think that he had a real voice in that movie, and and spoke to a lot of people of of our age or generation, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so yeah, Zach Braff in, in Garden State. Is my I feel like that movie's developed almost like a cult following Absolutely. at this point. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good movie. Yeah, great soundtrack. People, I don't know. People hate on him I don't, now, especially then. He was like hot, hot, hot. Yeah. I think uh, coming looking uh, coming off looking like an asshole in that punked episode. I don't know if you remember that. No. He got punked. You should pull it up on YouTube. He just came <laughs> off like a dumbass, like like a jerk. <laughs> but that, and also not really doing much past that. I don't know. But in a moment, Zach Garden State worked for me, and I I, I think of that movie all the time, especially with this idea of a an actor directing himself in a film. So. I guess that qualify. This is like now. Is that my third one? Because well, that, well yeah. no, that's my second. Because like you kind of okay. we're, we're doing we're, it's uh, we're doing six round things. two. So that's round three, two. That's three of six that you'll do. Right, right. Yeah. Round two of the good. Yeah, okay, good. right. That's Sorry. round two of good. Yes, that's right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yes, yes. See anyone listening? We're figuring it out as we go along, just what like we you do. are. What we do. Um, I was a little surprised to see that this person that I'm about to mention had only directed one film, or only has one directorial credit to his name, and it's co-directing. But this film from uh, 1990, which is kind of a sleeper film, I guess. I feel like a lot of people do mention it now as being quite funny. But uh, looking at the box office gross, it only made about 15 million. So that was a pretty small gross, even for for its time. But Bill Murray in Quick Change. Oh, quick Change. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and hang on a second, we're going to take a quick break because I think I have to answer my door. Okay. Someone's knocking at the door. Somebody's ringing the bell. Do me a favor. And we're back to Movie Schmovie. Uh, I, I answered the door just then, and I, I was telling Ronald I thought that it was my son coming back from next door where he was playing, but it was the guy who's going around selling upgrades or signing you up for upgrades to your alarm system. It's some kind of wireless panel mm. that they set you up with, and they do it for free if you hang a sign for their company on your on your house for five years and. And it's like, you know how you say, no, sorry, got to go, got to go. And all you do is manage to, like, all I did was postpone the guy coming back tomorrow at yeah, 6. Yeah, he'll be yeah. And, and now I'm, like, thinking, like, well, he, but I mean, now someone takes it out and they write it down. Or they, they, they enter it into their, you know, their, their yeah. tablet. Yeah. Um, so it's very funny. Like, I was standing up there going, why did I even come up here? You know, <laughs> the, the chance that it was my son needing to come in, though, I suppose it's good that I answered the door. Yeah, definitely. But now I'm annoyed because I will, I, I will be here tomorrow when he drops by and I'll be standing inside going, am I going to answer the door? Do yeah. I want do I want this? The whole premise, though, Ronald, is, and you might want to think about this, is that your alarm system, if it uses your phone line, if someone's clever, they cut your phone line, your alarm doesn't call out. So this company will set you up with a panel that wirelessly calls. Oh, wow. So I think that's worth hanging a, an advertisement on your house for five to seven years, right? I mean, what company was this? Vivint. Oh, wow. They're good. Are they? They're very pricey, though. Well, maybe getting the free thing. Yeah, my neighbor has that. It's very good. Well, see, that's... I, I have that same kind of alarm system where it's not through my phone. like It's on cellular satellite, uh -huh. which is what that is. Yeah. But theirs is actually like, it's like an orange logo. Mm-hmm. As it, I don't know if he showed you anything. Yeah, no, he yeah. he showed me the sign yeah. and everything. It's a it's a really good product. <laughs> hmm. I'm not to not to rep them or anything, but I've heard uh, I've heard very good things. It's a smart it's a smart alarm, all for your Wi-Fi. Oh. So maybe maybe talk to them, Marge. Maybe I, I don't will. know. I don't know. know. I mean, I'll, I'll be 
I'll be sitting on the porch, like, waiting for the information. <laughs> um, yes, this podcast is brought to you by Vivint. Yeah. And Feel ADT. free to, maybe we'll get more free alarm yeah. stuff, you know? But I, I was talking about Quick Change and Bill Murray's role in Quick Change, right, which right. is, to me, one of those, like, it is, it is maybe the ultimate example <laughs> of a film that I caught on cable one day and thought was great. I mean, for that purpose, you know, like if you're if you're going to be like, here's a movie I didn't see in the theater and I'm going to, you know, back then rent the video, rent the VHS or I'm going to catch it. It was just like such a satisfying kind of low key movie. Uh, it's not just Bill Murray. It's Gina Davis and uh, Randy Quaid mm. um, back before he was super crazy Randy Quaid and he was just crazy Randy Quaid. Uh, but they are, you know, a, a, a group. I, I, I want to say they're kind of bumbling, but they're not totally bumbling. But they they managed to to rob a bank, and the whole premise is them trying to get out of Manhattan, them them trying to leave New York City, and all the problems they have with just getting out of town and getting on a plane so they can leave with their money. So the name of the movie Quick Change kind of refers to there's a scene where they are are they have to change out of the clothes that they were wearing for the robbery, and that's kind of a quick change. But there's also scenes later in the movie where he's trying to get literal change from people. So the name kind of has multiple meanings. But what I always think of when I think of his role in this film, it's a line that I, you know, one of those lines I think about all the time. And it's, uh, you know, Bill Murray dressed as a clown to, to pull off the, 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 the bank robbery. So he's in the bank dressed as a clown. And the, the guard asks him, what the hell kind of clown are you? And he says, I don't know, the crying on the inside kind, I guess. You know, and he's got like a super frowny face painted on like, you know, Bill Murray. This was before he became Bill Murray, registered trademark Bill Murray. This was back when he was, you know, kind of kind of fresh off of a lot of those 80s comedies that people kind of knew him so well for. And this character, even though I haven't seen this film in years, it fits in with what I think of as the the modern sort of concept of Bill Murray, which uh. is the kind of world-weary hangdog guy. Like, he's not like a super funny character in this. He's more like tired and just trying to just trying to get out of town. Um, I, you know, I, I have, like I said, having not seen it in a while, I don't know if it totally holds up, but, but I think of Quick Change as one of those little sort of forgotten classics that actually is a lot better than, than you might think. So, hmm. cool. Bill Murray, as I believe the character's name is Grimm. And I don't, and I don't mean that to, as a way to describe it. I think that his name is actually Grimm. <laughs> it's my turn, isn't it? Maybe. Tis. tis. Um, when you think about triple threats, you think about... A certain kind of diarrhea. Certain kind of diarrhea. I don't know why that sounded like that to me. Just, <laughs> I got the triple threats. <laughs> uh, That's if you're shitting uh, liquid, solid, and plasma. You know. Oh my God, <laughs> that would be threat. awful. Yeah. That'd be awful. I, I've seen somebody do... Wait a minute. I've seen somebody do them at the same time. I mean, I'm responsible for bringing up poopy, but Ronald has seen somebody. I've seen somebody heading the trash can, sitting on the toilet, doing all three. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. The old uh, don't know which end really should be over the toilet routine. So terrible to watch. That's terrible. Why were you watching that? Well, we had to prop (laughs) the person up because they were like pretty much like... You spent all night finding those videos you weren't going to not watch. Yeah. Just propping them up, trying to keep them... Uh, you were yeah. being a good guy. Yeah, we were, tr- we were trying, but <laughs> a, a lifeless body is it's hard to keep up. With. It is gross. Um, so, JGL, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Nice. Don John. Yes. While, while this movie was a bit, like, heightened, you know what I mean? Like, his character was ridiculous, mm-hmm. and his family was very ridiculous. I think that the idea of the... Uh, 
sort of the the tropes, the the normal paths that that a lot of these romantic comedies have, like somebody trying to work their vice out. Uh, and you thinking that it's going to have an ending that you you know you you kind of think is a typical of a, a a movie of this type didn't have any of that at all it, it was it went very left when you thought at the fork of the road and I think that it was really well done and Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this role didn't seem to take himself too seriously which really left a lot of space for him to have a lot of fun and have a lot of the people on screen have a lot of fun um, and seeing kind of this super sexy Scarlett Johansson character, but also be kind of a an unlikable version of that 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 vixen that we want to yeah. see in the movies. It was really cool. Um, so I, I thought it was a solid movie. Um, a, a cool movie with a lot of really subtle lessons, um, Don John. And especially him being so young and, and putting together such a solid movie, I, I think is a, a good sign of things that come from him, from him in general. Especially with like the record network that he's doing, the sort of like right. crowdsourced, creative sort of thing. I, I like what Joseph Gordon-Levitt's doing. So that's my pick. Right. All righty. So now we're back to a bad one. All right, Steve, who do you hate? I can't remember if we mentioned this movie on our Metacritic episode on Critic Schmidics, but did we talk about Harlem Nights? Yes. You hate that? Fuck, man. I was actually going to... So... <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't say I like Harlem Nights. I could say that I kind of like the movie oh, as a whole, but we're talking about people directing a movie um, of of themselves. It's so weird because I was actually. Well, this would be a good conversation because obviously yeah. you have a different take than me. Um, but like, hold on a second. Wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna say this. Um, Earlier talking about Clint Eastwood, mm-hmm. like not that I liken Eddie Murphy to Clint Eastwood by any means, but I think one of the things that Clint Eastwood does well in the in the movies that he directed himself in, mm-hmm. he allows other people in the movie to kind of take the movie over. Oh yes, yes, and yes. Okay. My big issue with Harlem Nights is that Eddie Murphy is surrounded by people like Richard Pryor, like uh, oh god, um, God, what's his Arsenio name? Hall? Arsenio Hall. Um, Red Fox. Red Fox, exactly. Who are and, and, great in that movie, by but, the way. But the key is, is that they're all like stuck in the background. Oh, and yeah. I mean, the movie is about him, and I get, I get that. I'm not like going to criticize that. But my big issue is that you, you never really get the intent. You never really get the intention that like there's a comedian who was hot at the moment, acknowledging that somebody like Richard Pryor, who was his admittedly his idol. Mm. To be in a movie, and all Richard Pryor really did the whole movie was like, there's like head nods. Like, yeah. There, there's no actual like comedy on display from these, in some cases, legendary comedians. And that really bothers me. Like, that Eddie Murphy, I feel like this is the thread of the people that I've picked for my bottom, is that like, I feel like it's just a display of ego. And I feel like all it is is a way to say, instead of having that director direct me and let me be the man and be funny and be the star of this movie, mm-hmm. let me direct myself and I'll put all these amazing people around me to have the company that I deserve. That's yeah. how I see that movie pretty mm-hmm. much. And maybe I'm missing something. I mean, so some parts of the movie I do find funny and I do enjoy. But I like when we talked about it last time, I thought about that movie and I didn't really participate in the conversation that much because I, I can't say that I love the movie. Mm-hmm. But when we were making the list and even kind of clarifying how we were doing our list, like immediately I thought of that movie, maybe because it was fresh in my head from that episode. But mm-hmm. I really have an issue with movies like where an actor will direct themselves 
and it, it comes off as a pure vanity project. And I, just, I don't know, I just, I think of Harlem Nights when I think of that, and, and it bothers me, you know, because I do, and, and even separated from that, I love Eddie Murphy. Yeah, yeah. And I did, especially then. Yeah. I thought he was genius and hilarious, and I love everything he did. Yeah. Even things that weren't good, I liked. And, I, and like I said, I liked some of this movie, but, uh, man, like, to have somebody like Della Reese just, like, cursing through the whole movie for yeah. no reason, like, that, I don't know, like. Vampire in Brooklyn is that for me. That's that's the movie. You think that's the Vanity Project? That is the va- okay. But because like at least at least in those movies, at least in at least in Harlem Nights, they speak. You know what I mean? Like I feel like everybody is like suffocated in in Vampire in Brooklyn and him playing multiple roles and yeah, it 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 felt like that to me. I mean Harlem Nights, yeah, I I agree with you on on some levels, but at least. Red Fox got to speak. There's something about what he did with Vampire in Brooklyn that feels like thunderstorms in my brain. Well, there's there's no question that Eddie Murphy <laughs> is the guy that wants to be all the yeah. movies about. So like, there's yeah. no arguing that. Like, but some of the movies he does, it works. Like you know where he plays all these characters and it's funny. You know, like you mentioning last episode, Coming to America. Like, yeah. there's no, there's no. We're not going to talk about how <laughs> timeless and classic yeah, and perfect yeah. that movie is because it is. Yeah. But there, there's just something about maybe the fact that I see like he played one character in this movie, <laughs> and his character was like everything in the movie. Yeah, you know, right. like you're surrounded by all these other. I don't know, but I don't know. That's just one that comes to mind. Like I got that you. ego bothers me a lot, and mm-hmm. it's just like I feel like I appreciate an actor who is a star like he was then. Yeah. If you're gonna direct yourself, I I really appreciate you know either surrounding yourself by people who also need attention by being associated with you. Maybe they're below you, yeah. but if you're gonna have people in there that are like iconic. Mm-hmm. Don't have them beneath you. Like yeah. I, that bothered me a little bit. I remember some screen time. That. Yeah, I don't know, but I got you. so Harlem Nights, Eddie Murphy. That's Vampire in Brooklyn is mine. <laughs> I was actually gonna say Vampire. That I was your pick this round. Okay. Hey, that movie. Uh, Kevin Smith and anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Kevin Smith. I actually tried to think of which you one. You love him. And I. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back was the one where I was like, maybe that I was. I love that Maybe movie. that was the movie. But, oh, okay. See, that, that movie doesn't need to exist. <laughs> the thing is, I know that Kevin Smith. I, I mean, I know that he's a love him or hate him or proposition. Like, the people I know that love him, though, don't seem to think that he makes good movies. They always say something like, He's doing what he wants. Yeah. He's living the dream. He started small, and look at what he's doing. It's like no one really seems to be saying that those movies are great. You know, like uh, right. I, I remember hearing a, a a friend on Facebook or seeing a friend on Facebook defending Tusk in the in the in the guise of uh, <laughs> just like oh, but it was almost like he was he was, it was like a prank on the audience. You just don't understand. It's like yes, but kind of what you were talking about before, Steve, with how far do you take that? When when um, um, when Bob was here, right, and we were talking about. Uh, directors who seem to kind of troll the audience. It's like, what's the point of that? How far do you take that? Yeah. What are, what are people paying for? I think that Kevin Smith clearly has a has. I mean, I think that there's a sincerity to his kind of Kevin Smithness mm-hmm. that I don't like. I don't want to see him dragged out of town. I don't want to see him tarred and feathered or anything. I just don't <laughs> think he's a very talented writer or director or actor, and he insists on doing all those things together. And I know I should be saying, look, he's one of us, a guy who just sits around talking about movies and look what he's done. But I still want the movies to be really good. So I picked Jay and Bob Silent, uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. <laughs> That's what you I want picked, them to uh, be. Yeah, yeah. I should have named it that. Silent Jay. Jay and Bob, Jay yeah. and Bob Silent. Silent Jay. 
silent, silent movie. Um, but no, I picked that film just because I remembered watching that movie and just feeling like a, a sense of despair at some point that it okay. kept that it kept going. But I could just as easily have said any of those movies where he plays where he plays Silent Bob. Really. Mark Hamill as a cockknocker. Again, I like I like that Mark Hamill got some work. And you know, I think it's going to be a good year for Mark Hamill. So, let's, you know, we'll talk about him after December 18th, but uh, uh I love the scene where he's like, uh, so why do they call you the cock knocker? He's like, mm, let me think about it." And then it punches him right in the cock. I thought that was so funny, man. But I don't know. I think well, I mean, but again, I think that Kevin Smith either gets gets you hits you hits your funny bone or he doesn't and he yeah. just has never really hit like i don't even really like clerks i know that that's the one everyone's supposed to like yeah. and i just don't i just don't feel it you know he seems like <laughs> that guy i know or have seen at a party who's just not quite as funny as he thinks he is and right. and i feel like that is infectious and it's actually very similar to the way to me tarantino comes off when he when he acts in his movies it's like he just it's kind of that narcissism you're talking about yeah. it's just an unattractive thing yeah, yeah. i agree wow Plus the the hockey jerseys. I don't know if I the that, whole, the whole like triple XL hockey jersey you, it, being what you wear all the time. I just you guys that's mentioning a, the Superman doc. Last that's a time. strange decision. That huge his, his scenes every time he lifts his hand up and it's that and it's like the sleeve. <laughs> yeah, sleeve <laughs> like wizard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It hangs like sleeve like wizard. Um. Yeah. So, so are we gonna go past you? I think I was yeah, go past yeah. me. So this is a good one again. This is our final good one. So I'm gonna throw a wild card since you already mentioned Ben Stiller. I'm gonna give another. Uh, comedic actress a nod and it's a recent movie i don't know if you guys have seen it it's called in a world with lake bell how you know, was that I, I wanted to see this movie and today i realized i wished i had made a time to see it before this because i was really annoyed i could not find that many female yeah. writer director I, I actually actors had, i had two i'm gonna pull a walker real quick yeah. i'm gonna talk about lake bell more but oh, sarah, i had also had sarah polly on my list for mm-hmm. stories we tell which is a documentary Talked about a couple years ago about her family yeah. history and, yeah, I thought and of the her way too. our memories come. So those are my two ladies. But specifically Lake Bell because I think she is hilarious. I love Lake Bell. I love everything she's in. Mm-hmm. I think she brings it up a notch no matter what she does in a movie, whether she's being funny. Even in movies that she sucks. I mean, the movies that suck. <laughs> I think she... I think she brings the suck level it is a better even in the movies where she's horrible she's yeah. great but you're saying no, the, movie the movie's itself. horrible yeah like i feel like there's like some really bad like comedies i can i can't remember what they were that she was in she like plays an assistant in one of them mm-hmm. i can't remember what it was i want to say it was someone with justin timberlake or ashton kutcher oh uh, yeah yeah that rings true yeah like like i don't know but anyway in in in, in a world is a movie that she made a couple years ago she wrote it she directed it and she stars in it um, it got a lot of love at Sundance. I believe she won some awards in Sundance for her efforts, but um, I don't know. I, I just think that for it being her first shot at something and for not being somebody that a lot of people have a reference to, I mean, mm-hmm. you recognize her probably, um, her face, but I thought it's a really funny movie. I think her character in it is hilarious, and I love how the insight that she gives into the behind-the-scenes part of of an industry, yeah, you know, yeah. in this movie, it's voice work and she wants to be the person that does the trailer voiceover work. Right. She's a vocal coach, I think, but she wants to be the person that does the voiceovers for the trailers. And her father is like this legendary, he's the inner world. Yeah. It, it's that guy. Okay. And, cool. um, just a great movie. And I think she's hilarious in it. I think she just taps into every asset she has in terms of her physical and just like dry sense of humor. Um, but if you haven't che- if you haven't seen it, you both love the movie. I mean, it's it's hilarious. And really she's like really Bell. good in it, and uh, yeah, I just was really impressed for her first for her first movie. Like I thought it was great, and um, 
Yeah. So, in a world. In a world. In a world. Well, my final good one, I've realized I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> because I started off just kind of going off the top of my head with some names I knew I had written down. I don't know if you've ever done this. And then you look at the list you actually had, and there's some really great shit on the list that I wasn't thinking of. Like, yeah. I did not give it the proper yeah. ordering and yeah. vetting process. So I'm really torn right now. I've got, I'm going to have a bang-up uh, uh, also Rand's list in a minute. But um, I, I guess, you know, I'm looking at, like, film history and what's important and and influential and what came before everything. And then I'm looking at things that I actually love. And I don't know, like, what's the way to go here? Do I go with the... What, what would I go with? The, the thing that, if I really look at this list, the one that jumps out at me as the best, or should I look at the one that, like, really someone ought to mention... This item. What do you think? Personally, I'd approach it as my favorite. All right. Okay. That's just me. But well, Christopher Guest and Waiting for Guffman. Okay, good call. Then. I mean, you know, Waiting yeah. for Guffman. Christopher Guest. That, that those movies became a kind. I of... I think it's necessary to have him on this it list. It became a kind of style, yes. and he kept making them. And, yes. And they they were genuinely. I mean, there was always something worthwhile about those mockumentaries, mm. and Christopher Guest's performances was sort of like a stealth. Like, he's not a guy who does a lot in between movies. I think he directs commercials and he occasionally directs television, but he's kind of a quiet guy. He disappears into those characters um, in such a way that's just uh, really amazing to watch. Like, his character in Best in Show, just the sound of his voice, he's that mild-mattered yeah. Southern guy. You know? I was thinking of Best in and, Show. And, and if, he, if he was, if, if that character was a little bit more featured in the film, I probably would have run with it. But sure. I think that Corky St. Clair from Waiting for Guffman, is just a perfect on-screen creation. Oh. And I think that almost every line he says is, is quotable. Not that that's a mark of a great movie, but it's like it's one of those movies that you do want to kind of carry some of those little jokes with you. But the way that he played this this wounded, sensitive artist who is, you know, lashes out at people and is just takes what he's doing so seriously. And as that movie goes along, and then we finally get to see the production that he's putting on. Yeah. And it's not just him. It's the ringers of, you know, uh, Catherine O'Hara, Fred Willard, the, the cast is amazing. That was the first one that really established what that group of performers was going to look like together. And they've come back and they've done, you know, they've, you know, I would say Best in Show and A Mighty Wind are are almost as good, yeah. almost as perfectly formed as Waiting for Guffman. Waiting, but Waiting for Guffman is just a great rewatchable movie. It's very mm. funny. It's very sweet, but it's got just a, the right level of kind of cynicism to it. And the fact that you know he's this. I don't know, just this emotional powder keg of a person who takes what he's doing so seriously. I, I always find that type of character funny. So cool. so Corky St. Clair, Christopher Guest, Waiting for Guffman. Uh -huh. Gotta love it. And, you know, I don't even know what he's been doing now. I mean, I feel like it's been a while since he's made one of those films. I don't know if he's... Maybe, maybe the mockumentary format, you know, with Modern Family and The Office and things like that that have kind of taken that and run with it. Maybe he doesn't want to go back to that well, but, you know, I'm always in the mood to see what Christopher Guest thinks is funny, so... Gotcha. Um, this is my final pick. This is your final good one. Final good one. I don't... Um, I could suggest a few. Yeah, so I think that one, there's one thing to have a movie that's jam-packed full of comedic actors and comedians and have it be meh, and then there's one thing to have them there and kind of utilize everybody in a way that feels very natural for the roles, mm -hmm. and I think the top five is probably one of my favorite comedic movies wow. in the last couple of years. So Chris Rock, who normally isn't associated with decent acting or decent movies or any of that stuff, managed to put together a story that felt very authentic for who he is and included a lot of people that I wasn't expecting to kind of be great 
which is like you know Adam Sandler kind of being himself and Jerry Seinfeld in a movie and Whoopi Goldberg and Tracy Morgan and Michael Che who's who's kind of coming up in the SNL world um, I've never seen that guy be funny for one second. Is he really? funny in this? Yeah. yeah, I think he's. I think he's funny. I just feel man. like there's something about his delivery. That, Michael Che. He's Michael one of the che. co-hosts of Weekend Update on SNL now. I oh, think. Yeah. I think they're both dead fish to me. Those guys. Their rapport is like you know, the I most forced thing. Yeah. But I mean, like I. I know there were a lot of hopes for Michael Che, but I have not seen him yet. Seem like he's comfortable. On he's camera. a better comedian than he is. I could so, believe that. Yeah. You know, but I think that. I mean, that's a strange. That SNL news desk is a strange it's thing strange, because yeah. the jokes are kind of corny but it's possible to really you know what i mean the people that have done that well have really made it their own i yeah. just don't think that colin jost is that his name yeah and michael che i just don't think they've done anything really to, to leave their mark on that but yeah it's it's a it's an interesting thing so i'm wondering if he'll kind of grow into it after this this next season because he's been doing it for a while now but um, well, let's hope in his third year he finally gets the hang yeah. of it <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's true this is true um but yeah this it's a good movie it's it's a solid I'm movie. laughing at my own joke i realized yeah, that <laughs> yeah like really laughing at <laughs> but it's true though man uh it's they that's we can updates kind of weird right now and it's not bad it's not terrible but it also is it's like... just not going through one of those it, it, like there's times where it feels essential yeah. You know, like when it was Tina Fey and Jimmy Fallon, it felt like it was a reason to watch the show. When yeah. it was Dennis Miller, it felt like it was a reason to watch the show. I think even Norm MacDonald uh, kind of made it his own in a way. Yeah. And then, like, I don't know, Kevin Nealon was kind of likable but didn't do anything too special with it. And Colin Quinn was kind of a, was kind of a train wreck. No yeah. pun intended there. But, um, no, I think there's a... Uh, yeah, it's hard to say anyone could know what they're going to do with that. It's such a weird thing to do with the chemistry, but... Yeah. So... So that was your yeah, that was yeah. Your picky pick, Christopher Rock. So that was your last good one. So here's this is an odd way to do it because yeah. we're gonna do our last battle, but then we'll do our also rants with some positivity. But what's your uh, what's your last uh, your last complaint, Steve? So rounding out my your bottom tripod three. of yeah. bottom three people who are just egotistical narcissists would be 2004's Beyond the Sea. Which mm. is starring and directed by. Saw this on some lists. Kevin Spacey. And I can believe that would be Fuck, interminable. Because when that guy, when that guy is, when he disappears up his own ass, the narcissism is shocking. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> That's he's, this film. Yeah. Let me tell you something. So this guy is in his forties, I think, when he's playing a teenage Bobby Darren. Oh, fuck. Better yet, the soundtrack to this film about Bobby Darren, the only vocalist on the soundtrack is Kevin Spacey singing all the Bobby Darren songs. What? That's bullshit. That is bullshit. Let alone the movie sucks, okay? So just to round out my, you know, me and my soapbox of actors who buy their own hype and just think they're the, you know, I don't know what the right word to use is, but, you know, they just think they're the best thing since whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, like, something where he is... Ha- I remember seeing press for this movie and him just talking about how much he idolized him and how much he respected him. And and I feel like the way to make a movie where, like, you can't acknowledge that you should not be playing this guy <laughs> who you respected so much, mm-hmm. but you're Kevin Spacey and you can do it, so you will. Right. And the soundtrack thing was just the icing on the cake for me. Like... I like Bobby Darren's songs. I remember getting the soundtrack as a as a promotional copy, 
And it's like, why is Kevin Spacey singing all these songs? Like, he obviously believes he can sing really well. And I'm not saying he has a horrible voice. He, like, sings in everything he's but in. But he's kind of... Cor- I mean, Kevin Spacey is just, like... He's corny. He's corny. Yeah, yeah. he's corny. I-, I saw where you were going, and yeah. you're absolutely right. But I was trying to think if That's that was a better word, word for it. But it I- is. I'll like, buy that word. He's kind of smarmy. It's like he goes... Like, when he does, like, the impressions or whatever, it's like he's a talented guy, but there is some amount of, like, yeah. like self-love tied in with that. Oh, that's dude. just noxious. It's it's, <laughs> it's it's It's... This movie is more about him than it ever was about who he's paying tribute to. You know what I mean? It's a crappy movie, and it's a it's a bad, bad, bad form. Bad form, Mr. Spacey. Mm. Is Splish Splash one of Bobby Darren's songs? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, Splish Splash, Steve. <laughs> on you. Splish Splash. <laughs> um, you know, my we've actually talked about this guy already, but I, I had this as my last negative comment because it's a tricky one for me because I actually love this film, and I love this performance in this film, but oh. I have too many conflicted feelings about this guy now. And if Woody Allen would have just stayed away, whatever went on there, he was around when she was a little kid, and then yeah. when she reached maturity, he fell in love with her. That's inconvenient. I mean, at best, that's inconvenient if that happens to you. But I would recommend that if you are going to do that, and you're going to have a lasting relationship and a real marriage, which he and Soon Yi seem to have, don't have accusations about you diddling your, your toddler daughter on top of that it just doesn't look good it's one of those times where i hate it for the guy if if he's innocent i hate it for him because it's just creepy what happened with mia and sunyi is just creepy enough and just like off the off the list of acceptable social behavior yeah yeah. (laughs) that like you can you can like say well that's very strange if you're you're you're, you know you've split from your longtime love that's fine no hurt feelings if you haven't gone and fallen in love with her barely legal adopted daughter it's a much simpler situation, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the heart wants what it wants, his famous quote. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I'm not really accusing him of anything. But, yeah, it does, it's just, the it, it adds up and it doesn't look good, uh, Woody Allen. But I love Broadway Danny Rose, and I love his performance in that film. And it's maybe the first Woody Allen film that I really got into. But it's just the perfect mix of, of a great, like what you were saying, Ronald, when he was actually playing characters. Yeah, yeah. And like uh, being a guy and not being like, uh, I'm just like doddering through a Woody Allen impression. Um, yeah, so I would recommend to anyone who hasn't seen, I may have talked about it on the show before, but Broadway Danny Rose is not one of the Woody Allen movies that gets mentioned all the time. But it's very funny. It's a really lovable story. He plays like a down-on-his-luck talent agent who has all these awful acts that he represents. and he's But he kind of loves them, and he kind of supports them. So it's like he's, he's it's just a type of character you don't really see him playing nowadays. And Mia Farrell also plays against type in it as a kind of brassy, uh, uh, you know, like almost like a gangster's mall that he ends up hanging out with. So I would recommend uh, uh, Broadway Danny Rose to anybody. And... I would also say it's the movie that infuriates me because I love it and I love him in it, but he makes me feel bad for loving him. Mm. <laughs> so Woody Allen, go suck a frog. <laughs> All right, so mine is a man who I've never liked. Um, I've never thought his humor was great, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I was gonna say one movie, but then I saw the his newest offering, and I think I'm gonna say this one: uh, Seth MacFarlane, Ted Two. So Wallace, this character is CGI; he's computer generated. I think it counts. Yeah, because yeah. it's um, his baby. I mean, it's definitely a a project. It's a Seth MacFarlane project. For yeah, sure. it's a joint. Yeah. <laughs> so I was trying to figure out why his humor bothers me so much, and I think I figured it out. It's it's one thing to have you laugh with him 
And it's one thing, it's another thing for him to laugh at people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of his cultural references are at the cost of someone's, you know, somebody's life. Like, it could be like a dead Michael Jackson joke or like, you know, a terrible black people joke or a terrible fat people joke. And I think that while it's supposed to be like, it's kind of like when you see a, a comic for the first time, like, see comedy and somebody just makes references to like current affairs and it's like the shittiest least sharp version of commentary social commentary where you're just like am i wrong to think that the president shouldn't be black in an office like it's just like stupid stuff like that that i don't think is funny and uh this movie was hard to watch ted 2 was hard to watch i can't believe you picked that movie i mean i i i could not agree with you more you were gonna say a million ways yeah i'm glad you said it because i I I had it on my also ran i'm glad you just brought it up but i i i can't yeah a million ways to die in the west is unbearable i feel like the only thing that saves the ted films is that like people i think some people like mark Wahlberg. And, and I don't. I, I don't dislike him. I don't but, like him. But I mean, he has comedic. enough in that movie where he's not, it's not all Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. But A Million Ways to Die in the West was my pick for him yeah. as the worst. Um, as one of my also rands. That movie is like an enigma to me. I don't mm-hmm. understand how. How did it get funded? How it gets, I mean, I get it. I don't know. I don't I just, get it. I just, I just rant. Like, I just, I start to mumble <laughs> because I don't get Seth MacFarlane. I mean, I just, I don't I've get accepted. It like, I've liked yeah. certain things that he's done in the past. Like, maybe his animated stuff. Don't love it. I like some of it, but goddamn, to see him like put himself in a starring role in A Million yeah. Ways to Die in the West with like Charlize Theron, uh, Neil Patrick Harris, Sarah Liam Silverman, Neeson. Liam, Neeson, Liam Neeson, Giovanni Ribisi, like people that are like way more talented than him in, in some ways. That movie bothers me to no end. Like that That's was like the bottom of my list last year, and I just don't understand. <laughs> and I'm glad that Ted failed. I'm, I'm glad that Ted bombed. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least domestically, because I don't know that. Yeah. That's two movies in the past year that have not performed for him. Like they thought, like they, he got two tentpole releases in the past year. Yeah, and they both are, I mean, not successful. So that's. I feel like I shouldn't. Experience, it's a good sign. I shouldn't experience Schadenfreude because I don't really like to see anyone's career go. What is down that called? Tubes. I've never heard <coughs> that. That's like the. That's like the taking. It's you know Germans have words for all, all the really awful stuff. Taking pleasure in someone else's pain and disappointment. Okay. Oh, wow. I mean I don't try not to be that way, but yeah, I always found him to be overrated somewhat. Like when everyone was going crazy for Family Guy, which I do think you know there's funny jokes. Like I've, no, I've laughed, tone. I've laughed at, very hard at moments. But the overall tone, that kind of ugly tone, that kind of yeah. no holds barred thing. I know people like that, and I've enjoyed it when it's been couched in certain things. Like I was a much bigger fan of South Park than I ever was a Family right. Guy. Definitely. And I know South Park was very offensive too, but, but it heart. always felt like it. Ha- yeah, it had a real heart, yeah, and actually, right, on some level, you could tell that there was a real affection for the characters. Yeah. Whereas I feel like the opposite of that with Seth MacFarlane. I'm not saying it's morally wrong. I'm just saying it's not my. It's like I want my comedy to have a little bit of heart with it for sure. So yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not like happy that Ted flopped necessarily, but I, yeah. I, I do think it's interesting, as you say it, Steve, that in the last year, yeah, he's had two relatively high profile wow big movies for this guy that have kind of not performed yeah yeah so it makes you wonder what the next step will be hey mark Wahlberg, stop doing comedy please i don't i don't mind his comedy i do i think i think he's funnier than i mean like you see i like mark Wahlberg, but i like him in key roles like i like him in uh uh i heart huckabee's Oh, that's yeah, that, that earns so much goodwill like for me with him, you know. Yeah. But I realized that I look at the list of movies he's been in, and it's like I like three of them. 
I happen to really like him. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? But the ones, the, the everything he's made in between has not been my favorite. So, yeah. so just to get out some also rands here, of, as far as not the, the bottom, but the, the top, uh, Tim Robbins uh, and Bob Roberts. That, that was a, a movie that I think is very interesting. Spike Lee as Mookie and Do the Right Thing. Oh, yeah. I thought you'd mention that because you love Do the Right Thing. I do love Do the Right Thing. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Mike Judge in like Office Space too many black as, the, as the manager of the, the, the TGI Fridays yeah. type place. Um, I, I, this was one that I was sad that I didn't work into the list, but Terry Jones and Terry Gilliam co-directing Monty Python and the Holy oh, Grail. Yeah. They're, mm. they're all over that. Uh, and then Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin, that was my whole thing about just for historical importance. Those guys, when they were directing their films, I mean, like Buster Keaton's film, The General, is one that people mention, but also Our Hospitality is really good, The Navigator. I mean, he was a guy that, and Charlie Chaplin too, they were developing and inventing techniques for filming things and for how you would set things up. Like Buster Keaton right. kind of helped invent certain forms of filming and editing in order to stage his gags and Buster Keaton was famous for saying stuntmen aren't funny and so he was you know everything you see him doing in his movies he's doing it and that was back before we have digital wire removal back before right. we had all this other stuff so he's a guy who's like working out the stunt the gag the mm. the piece it's got to be so carefully worked out I mean what I always picture is that scene of him and honestly I don't know which film this is from they all kind of blend together in my head. But the scene of him standing there and then the front of the house falls down and like the little window at the top of the yeah. house just lands right, right over on him. Top of him. Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, so if you saw that now, you would know there was no way that was really happening. But with him, though, you know, if he was one foot to the left or the right, his <laughs> yeah. spine would be crushed, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think he actually did break his back or his part of his neck and didn't know until decades later, you know, in some stunt oh, wow. that he had. Wow. So anyway, I just think you got to tip your hat to those types of people that actually like literally physically uh, worked out what we now take for granted about just the way movies are made. So yeah, Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin. And the only also ran I had on the negative side was Prince in Under the Cherry Moon. <laughs> oh God, that's a fucking terrible <laughs> Wow. Movie. The movie that felt like it was just on a, it was on a set. Yeah. Like oh, it just yeah. felt very like boxed in. Which I mean, that artificial feeling could have been something intentional, yeah. but it was still, yeah, he's just not a, He's not an actor, that guy. But Purple Rain was so good. Purple Rain had, you know, he didn't direct that one. I don't think. Yeah, he did. I think that I think that may have been an actual. Yeah, maybe that's why I was so. I might be wrong, but I don't think. I don't think he did either. So, guys, any also rans on your lists? Nope. Not that come to mind. I think a lot of them were already mentioned. Mm -hmm. Trying to think, there was. I thought there was one more. Oh, I mentioned Sarah Polly with the stories we tell. So, what's the bigger act of uh, narcissism and hubris? The Writing and directing a movie and putting yourself in it in a prominent role or recording a conversation that you have in your basement and then uh, editing it and releasing it into the world. Hmm. Well. Probably the latter. I'm not being paid to do this. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm not signing myself on to make more money. Yeah. So I, I, I would vote against this one. Okay. I guess you're right. If the logo for the show were like... <laughs> Our three photoshopped heads looking moody off in different directions yeah. or something? That would be... But That'd be pretty narcissistic. As it is. I think we're still humble compared to the, the people we just talked about. But yeah. For show. Sure. For show. Sure. Well, fellas? Good times, man. Yeah, Good man. talks. It's going to be... Uh, we, do we have any ideas of what the next episode is going to be? No idea. We no really idea? don't. Okay, great. That's good. Yeah, I like that. I have a feeling the way it'll time out, though, this will be like definitely like an end of summer, into fall type thing. So maybe we'll be doing some recap in summer and looking forward to the fall. Fall preview. The next that's, one. That's, I love Sounds that good. episode. I'm excited about it's it. the good stuff. Yeah. Cool, guys. Well, hit us up, movieshmovie.com. Ah, it sounds so good. It does. It sounds great. Yeah. And it's working great. Thank yeah. God. 
Uh, Facebook, we have a facebook.com slash movie schmovie. Uh, you seem sure about that? Yeah. It might be movie.schmovie. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's movie schmovie. But just search for us, you know. Uh, yeah, and that's really the that's our core right there. So hit us up, subscribe, like us, um, check out the rest yeah, of Yeah, try the, liking us. Yeah, check out the rest of the uh, podcasts that are available on the Thundergrunt Network on iTunes, which you can see when you view our page. Um, and write a review if you don't mind. That'd be great. Yeah, Show man. some love. Show that people actually listen to us. Do it. Don't make us look like fools. Do it. Yeah. When we told them that people listen to our podcast. I know. We said, hey, guys, we've got... <laughs> we definitely have, we have someone we have listening. We have tens of people yeah. <laughs> that have listened thus far, right. you know. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening, guys. As always, you've made our day. <laughs>